Bhagavad Gita as it is by E.C. Bhakti Vedanta Swami, the founder and charya of the International Society for Krishna Consignness. Setting the scene, although widely published and read by itself, Bhagavad Gita originally appears as an episode in the Mahabharata, the epic Sanskrit history of the ancient world. The Mahabharata tells us of the events leading up to the present age of Kali. It was at the beginning of this age, some 50 centuries ago, that the Lord Krishna spoke Bhagavad Gita to his friend and devotee Arjuna. The discourse, one of the greatest philosophical and religious dialogues known to man, took place just before the onset of war, a great conflict between the hundred sons of Dhritarashtra and on the opposite side their cousins, the Pandvas or the sons of Pandu. Dhritarashtra and Pandu were brothers born in the Kuru dynasty, descending from the King Bhatra, a former ruler of the earth from whom the name Mahabharata derives. Because Dhritarashtra, the eldest son, was born blind, the throne that the otherwise would have been his was passed down to the younger brother, the Pandu. When Pandu died at an early age, his five children, Yudhishthira, Bhima, Arjuna, Nakula, and Sahadeva, came under the care of Dhritarashtra, who in effect became for a time being the king. Thus, the sons of Dhritarashtra and those of Pandu grew up in the same royal household. Both were trained in the military arts by the expert Drona and counseled by the revered grandfather of the clan Bhishma. Yet the sons of Dhritarashtra, especially eldest Duryodhan, hated and envied the Pandvas, and the blind and weak-minded Dhritarashtra wanted his own sons, not those of Pandu, to inherit the kingdom. Thus, Duryodhana and Dhritarashtra consent plotted to kill the young sons of Pandu, and it was only by the careful protection of their uncle Vidura and their cousin Lord Krishna that the Pandvas escaped the many attempts against their lives. Now Lord Krishna was not an ordinary man but the supreme Godhead himself who had descended to the earth and was playing the role of prince in the contemporary dynasty. In this role, he was also the nephew of Pandus by Kunti or Pratha, the mother of Pandvas, so both as a relative and as an eternal upholder of religion, Krishna favored the righteous sons of Pandu and protected them. Ultimately, however, the clever Duryodhan challenged the Pandvas to a gambling match. In the course of fateful tournament, Duryodhana and his brother took possession of Draupadi, the caste and devoted wife of Pandvas and insulting tried to strip her naked before the entire assembly of the prince and kings. Krishna's divine intervention saved her, but the gambling, which was rigged, cheated the Pandvas of the kingdom and forced them into thirteen years of exile. Upon returning from the exile, Pandvas rightfully requested their kingdom from Duryodhana, who bluntly refused to yield it. Duty-bound as princess, prince to serve in public administration, the five Pandvas reduced their request to a mere five villages, but Duryodhana arrogantly replied that he wouldn't spare them enough land into which to drive a pin. Throughout all this, the Pandvas had been consistently tolerant and forbearing, but now the war seemed inevitable. Nothless, as the prince 
of the world divided, some siding with the sons of Dhritarashtra and other with Pandvas. Krishna himself took the role of messenger for the sons of Pandu and went to the court of Dhritarashtra to plea for peace. When his pleas were refused, the war was now certain. The Pandvas, men of highest mortal stature, recognize Krishna to be the supreme personality of Godhead, whereas the impious son of Dhritarashtra did not. Yet Krishna offered to enter the war according to the desires of the antagonists. As God, he would not personally fight, but whoever so desires might avail himself of Krishna's army, and the other side will have Krishna himself. As an advisor and helper, Duryodhana, the political genius, snatched at Krishna's armed forces, while the Pandavas were equally eager to have Krishna himself. In this way, Krishna became the charioteer of Arjuna, taking it upon himself to drive the fabled bowman's chariot. This brings us to the point at which Bhagavad Gita begins, with the two armies arrayed, ready for combat, and Dhritarashtra anxiously inquiring of his secretary Sanjaya, what did they do? Chapter 1 Observing the armies on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. Text 1 Dhritarashtra sent, O Sanjaya, after my sons and the sons of Pandu assembled in the place of pilgrimage at Kurukshetra, desiring to fight, what did they do? Meaning of a part. The topics of discussion between Dhritarashtra and Sanjaya as described in the Mahabharata from the basic principle for the great philosophy. It is understood that this philosophy evolves on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, which is sacred place of pilgrimage from the immemorial time of the Vedic age. It was spoken by the Lord when he was present personally on this planet for the guidance of the mankind. The word Dharmashetra is significant because on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, the Supreme Personality of the Godhead was present on the side of Arjuna. Dhritarashtra, the father of the Kurus, was highly doubtful about the possibility of his son's ultimate victory. In this doubt, he inquired from his secretary Sanjaya what did they do. He was confident that both of his son and the sons of his younger brother Pandu were assembled in the field of Kurukshetra for determined engagement of the war. Still, his inquiry is significant. He did not want a comparison between the cousin and brothers, and he wanted to be sure of the fate of his sons of the battlefield. Because the battle was arranged to be fought at Kurukshetra, which is mentioned elsewhere in the Vedas as a place of worship, even for the denizens of the heaven, Dhritarashtra became very fearful about the influence of the holy place on the outcomes of the battle. He knew very well that his, this would influence Arjuna and the sons of Pandu favorably because by the nature they were all virtuous. Sanjaya was a student of Vyasa and therefore by mercy of Vyasa Sanjaya was able to envision the battlefield of Kurukshetra even while he was in the room with Dhritarashtra. And so Dhritarashtra asked him about the situation on the battlefield. Both the Pandvas and the son of Dhritarashtra belong to the same family, but Dhritarashtra's mind is disclosed herein. 
he deliberately claims only his sons as gurus and he separated the sons of pandu from the family heritage one does understand the specific position of dhritarashtra in his relationship with his nephews the sons of pandus as in the pari field of unnecessary plans are taken out so it is expected from very beginning of this topic that in religious field of kushetra where father of religion shri krishna was present the unwanted plans like dhritarashtra sons duryodhana and others would be wiped out and through thoroughly religious persons headed by yudhishthira would be established by the lord this is significance of the word dharmshetra and kurukshetra apart from their historical and vedic importance text 2 sanjay said o king after looking over the army arranged in military formation by the sons of pandu king duryodhan went to his teacher and spoke the following words purport dhritarashtra was blind from birth unfortunately he also benefit of spiritual vision he knew very well that his sons were equally blind in the matter of religion he was sure that they could never reach an understanding with pandavas who were all pious since birth still he was doubtful about the influence of the pilgrimage and sanjaya could understand his motive in asking about the situation on battlefield sanjaya wanted therefore to encourage the despotented king and thus assured him that his sons were not going to make any sort of compromise under the influence of the holy place sanjaya therefore informed the king that his son duryodhana after seeing the military force of the pandavas at once went to the commander in chief dronacharya to inform him of the real position although duryodhana is mentioned as the king he still had to go to the commander on account of the seriousness of the situation he was therefore quite fit to be a politician but duryodhana's diplomatic venner could not disguise the fear he felt when he saw the military arranged by the pandavas text 3 oh my teacher behold the great armies of sons of pandu so expert arranged by your intelligent discipline the son of dupadal Purport, Duryodhana, a great diplomat, wanted to point out the defect of Dronacharya, the great Brahma, commander-in-chief. Dronacharya had some political quarrel with King Dropada, the father of Dropadi, who was Arjuna's wife. As a result of this quarrel, Dropada performed a great sacrifice by which he received the benefication of having a son. who would be able to kill dronacharya dronacharya knew this perfectly well and yet as a liberal brahmana he did not hesitate to impart all his military secrets when the sons of dropada drishtabuna was entrusted to him for military education now on the battlefield of kurukshetra drishtabuna took the side of pandavas and it was he Arrange the military phalanx. After having learned the art from Dronacharya, Duryodhana pointed out this mistake of Dronacharya, so that he might be alert and um, uncompromising in the fighting. 
by this he wanted to point out also that he would not be similarly lenient in the battlefield with the pandavas who were also donacharya's affectionate students arjuna especially was his most affectionate and brilliant student duryodhana also wanted warned that such legacy in the fight would lead to defeat text 4 here in this army are many heroic bowmen equal in fighting to bhishma and arjuna great fighters like yuyudhana virata and drupada even though drishtadamuna was not a very important obstacle in face of dronacharya very great power in the military art there were many others who were cause of fear there are mentioned by duryodhana as great stumbling blocks on the path of victory because each and every one of them was formidable as bhima and arjuna he knew the strength of bhima and arjuna and thus he compared the others with them text 5 there are also great heroic powerful fighters like the ketu sin ketu kasid jara puri jit kunti bhoja and saiba text 6 there are mighty yudhumanu and very powerful utamanjwa the son of subhadra and son and the sons of dropadi all these warriors are great chariot fighters text 7 but for your information o best of brahmanas let me tell you about the captains who are especially qualified to lead my military forces text 8 there are personalities like bhima karna karpa ashwatthama vikrana and the son of somadatta called bhurasarva who are always victorious in the battle meaning duryodhana mentioned the exceptional heroes in the battle all of whom are very victorious vikarna his brother of duryodhana ashwatthama is the son of dronacharya and somadatti or bhurishwara is the son of the king of bhalikas karna is half brother of arjuna and he was born of kunti before the marriage with the king pandu karpacharya twin sister married dronacharya text 9 there are many other heroes who are prepared to lay down their life for my sake all of them are well equipped with different kinds of weapon and all are experienced in the military science meaning as far as the others are concerned like jayadharta salva all are determined to lay down their life for duryodhana's sake in other words it is already concluded that all them will die in the battle of kurukshetra for joining the party of the sinful duryodhana duryodhana was of course confident of his victory on account of the above mentioned combined strength of his friends text 10th our strength is immeasurable we are perfectly protected by the grandfather bhishma and whereas the strength of the pandavas carefully protected by the bhima is limited herein an estimate of comparison state is made by the duryodhana he thinks that the strength of his armed force is immeasurable 
been specifically protected by the most experienced general, Grandfather Bhishma. On the other hand, the forces of the Pandavas are limited, been protected by the less experienced general, Bhima. He is like a fig in the presence of Bhishma. Duryodhana was always anxious of Bhima because he knew perfectly well that he is should be died at all. He would only be killed by Bhima. But at the same time, he was confident of his victory on the account of presence of Bhishma, who was a far superior general. His conclusion that he would come out of the battle victorious was well asserted. Text 11 All of you must now give full support to the grandfather Bhishma as you stand at your respective strategic points to the entrance into the parallax of the army. Meaning, Duryodhana, after praising the powers of Bhishma, further considered that others might think that they had been considered less important. So, in his usual diplomatic way, he tried to adjust the situation in the above words. He emphasized the Bhishma Deva was undoubtedly the greatest hero, but he was an old man, so everyone must especially think of his protection from all sides. He might become engaged in fight and the enemies would take advantage of his full engagement on one side. Therefore, it was important that other heroes should not leave their strategic positions and allow the armies to break the phalanx. Duryodhana clearly felt that the victory of Kurus depends on the presence of Bhishmadeva. He was confident of the full support of the Bhishmadeva and Dronacharya in the battle because he well knew that Dev did not speak a word when Arjuna's wife Draupadi, in her helpless condition, had appealed to them for justice, while she was being forced to appear naked in the presence of all great generals in the assembly. Although he knew that two generals had some sort of affection for the Pandavas, he hoped that these generals would not completely give it up, as they had done during the gambling performance. Text 12 Then Bhishma, the great valiant grand desire of the Kuru dynasty, the grandfather of the fighters, blew his counter very loudly, making a sound like a roar of lion giving Duryodhana joy. The grandson of Kuru dynasty could understand the inner meaning of the heart of his grandson Duryodhana and out of his natural compassion for him, he tried to cheer him up by the blowing of his counsel very loudly, be fighting his position as a lion. Indirectly, by the symbolism of the counsel, he informed his depressed grandson Duryodhana that he had no chance of victory in the battle because the Supreme Lord Krishna was on the other side, but still it was his duty to conduct the fight and no pinch would be spared in that connection. Text 13 After that the council, drums, buggles, trumpets and horns were all suddenly sounded and the combined sound was tempestuous. On text 14 On the other side, both the Lord Krishna and Arjuna, stationed on the great chariot, drawn by the white horses, sounded like the transcendental councils. Meaning, 
In contrast with the counsels blown by Bhishmadeva, the counsels in the hands of Krishna and Arjuna are described as transcendental. The sounding of transcendental counsels indicates that there were no hope of victory for the other side because Krishna was on the side of Pandavas. Victory is always with the person like the sons of Pandu because Lord Krishna is associated with them and whenever and wherever the Lord is present the goodness of goddess of fortune is also there because the goddess of fortune never lie lives alone without her husband. Therefore victory and fortune were awaiting Arjuna as indicated by the transcendental sounds produced by the counsels of Vishnu or Lord Krishna. Beside that the chariot on which both friends were seated had been donated by Agni, the fire god, to Arjuna, and this indicated that the chariot was capable of conquering all sides wherever it was drawn all over the three worlds. Text 15 Lord Krishna blew his counsel called Panchajayan. Arjuna blew his, the Devadatta and Bhima, the voracious eater and performer of Hercules task blew his terrific counsel called Paundara meaning Lord Krishna is referred to as Sri Krishna in this verse because he is the owner of all senses the living entities are part and parcel of him and all therefore the senses of the living entities are also part and parcel of his senses the impersonalities cannot account for the senses of the living entities and therefore they are always anxious to be described all living entities as senseless or impersonal. The Lord situated in the hearts of all living entities directs their senses, but he directs in terms of the surrender of living entity and in the cause of pure devotee. He directly controls the senses. Here on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, the Lord directly controls the transcendental senses of Arjuna and thus his particular name of Sri Krishna. The Lord has different names according to his different activities. For example, his name is Madhu Sudhana because he killed the denim called Madhu. His name is Govinda because he gives pleasure to the cows and to the senses. His name is Vasudeva because he appeared as the son of Vasudeva. His name is Devkinandan because he accepted Devki as his mother. His name is Yashoda Nandan because he awarded his childhood pastimes to Yashoda at Vrindavan. His name is Pratha Sarathi because he worked as charioteer of his friend Arjuna. Similarly, his name is Sri Krishna because he gave direction to Arjuna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. Arjuna is referred to as Dhanjaya in the verse because he helped his elder brother in fetching wealth when it was required by the kingdom to make expenditures for different sacrifices. Similarly, Bhima is known as Vrokandra because he could eat as voraciously as he could perform her clean tasks such as killing the demon Hidmiba. So the particularly types of counsels blown by different personalities on the sides of Pandas, beginning with the lords, were all very 
encouraging to the fighting soldiers. On the other side, there were no such credits, nor the presence of the Lord Krishna, the supreme director, nor that of the goddess of fortune. So they were predestined to lose the battle, and that was a message announced by the sounds of consent. Text 16-18 King Yudhishthira, the son of Kunti, blew his counsel. The Ananta Vijaya and Nakula and Sadeva blew the Sugosha and the Manipushka. The great archer, the king of Kashi, the great fighter Shikandi, Dishtamundi, Virata and the unconquerable Satyaki, Draupada, the son of Draupadi and the other all kings such as the mighty armed sons of Subhadra all view their respective councils. Text 19 The blowing of these different councils become unprioritous, vibrating both the sky and on the earth. It shattered the hearts of sons of Dhritarashtra. Meaning, when Bhishma and the other sons on the side of Duryodhana blew their respective councils, there was no heartbreaking on the part of Pandvas. Such occurrence are not mentioned, but in this particular way it is mentioned that the hearts of sons of Dhritarashtra were shattered by the sounds and vibrations by the Pandvas party. This is due to Pandvas and their confidence in the Lord Krishna. One who takes the shelter of the Supreme Lord has nothing to fear, even in the midst of the greatest calamity. Text 20 At that time, Arjuna the son of Pandu, seated in the chariot, bearing the flag marked with Hanuman, took up his bow and prepared to shoot his arrow. O king, after looking at the sons of Dhritarashtra drawn in military array, Arjuna then spoke to Lord Krishna these words, meaning, the battle was just about to begin. It is understood from the above statement that the son of Dhritarashtra were more or less disheartened by the unexpected arrangement of the military forces by the Pandavas, who were guided by the direct instructions of the Lord Krishna on the battlefield. The emblem of Hanuman on the flag of Arjuna is another sign of victory because Hanuman cooperated with the Lord Rama in the battle between Rama and Ravan, and Lord Rama emerged victorious. Now both Rama and Hanuman were present on the chariot of Arjuna to help him. Lord Krishna is Rama himself, and whenever Lord Rama is his eternal servitor Hanuman and his eternal consort Sita, the goddess of fortune, are present. Therefore, Arjuna had no cause to fear any enemies whatsoever, and above all, Lord of the senses, Lord Krishna, was personally present to give him direction. Thus all good counsel was available to Arjuna and in this matter of executing the battle. In such auspicious condition arranged by the Lord for his eternal devotee lay the sign of assured victory. Text 21 and 22 Arjuna said, O infallible one, please draw my chariot between the two armies so that I may see those present here who desire to fight and with whom I must contend in the great trials of arms. Meaning, although the Lord Krishna is the Supreme Personality of the Godhead, one of his God 
called as mercy he was engaged in the service of his friend he never failed in his affection for his devotees and thus he is addressed herein as an infallible as a charity he had to carry out the orders of arjuna and since he did not hesitate to do so he is addressed as infallible although he had accepted the position of the charioteer of his devotee his supreme position was not challenged in all circumstances he is the supreme personality of godhead shri krishna the lord of the total senses the relationship between the lord and his servitor is very sweet and transcendental the servitor is always ready to render service to the lord and similarly the lord is seeking opportunity to render some service to the devotee he takes greater pleasures in pure devotees assuming the advantages position of ordering him that he does in being the giver of the orders since he is the master everyone is under his orders and no one is above him to order him but when he finds that a pure devotee is ordering him he obtains transcendental pleasure although he is infallible master in all circumstances as pure devotee of lord arjuna had no desire to fight with his cousin and brothers but he was forced to come out onto the battlefield by the obstinacy of duryodhana who was very eager agreeable to any peaceful negotiation therefore he was very anxious to see who the leading person present on the battlefield was although there was no question of peacemaking endeavor on the battlefield he wanted to see them again and to see how much they were were bent upon the demanding unwanted war text 23 let me see who have come here to fight wishing to please the evil minded son of dhritarashtra it was an open secret that duryodhana wanted to usurp the kingdom of pandavas by evil plans in collaboration with his father dhritarashtra therefore all people who had joined the sides of duryodhana had been bright and in same feather arjuna wanted to see them on the battlefield therefore the fight was begun just to learn who they were but he had no intentions of proposing peace negotiation with them it was also a fact that he wanted to see them to make an estimate of their strength which he had to face although he was quite confident on the victory because krishna was sitting on his side text 24 sanjya said o descendant of bharata having thus been addressed by the arjuna Lord Krishna drew up the fine chariot in the midst of the armies of both parties. In this verse, Arjuna is referred to as the Gudakesh. Gudakesh means sleep, and one who conquers sleep is called Gudakesh. Sleep also means ignorance. So Arjuna conquered both the sleep and also means of ignorance. So Arjuna conquered. sleep and ignorance because of his friendship with krishna as a great devotee of krishna he could not forget krishna even for a moment because that is the nature of devotee either in walking or in sleeping a devotee is the nature of a devotee thus a devotee of krishna 
can conquer both sleep and ignorance simply by thinking of Krishna constantly. This is called Krishna consciousness or Samadhi. As Sri Krishna or director of the senses and minds of every living entity, Krishna could understand Arjuna's purpose in placing the chariot in the midst of the armies. Thus he did so and spoke as follows. Text 25 in the presence of Bhishma, Drona and all other chiefs of the world, the Lord said, Just behold Pratha, all the Kurus assembled here. Meaning, as the super soul of all the living entities, Lord Krishna could understand what was going on the mind of Arjun. The use of the word Sri Krishna in this connection indicates that he knew everything and a word Pratha or the son of Kunti. Arpath is also similarly significant in the reference to Arjuna. As a friend, he wanted to inform Arjuna that because Arjuna was the son of Pratha, the sister of his own father Vasudeva, he had agreed to charioteer of Arjuna. Now, what did Krishna mean when he told Arjuna to behold the Kurus? Did Arjuna wanted to stop there and not fight? Krishna never accept, expected such thing from a son of his aunt Pratha. The mind of Arjuna was thus pricked by the Lord in a friendly joking manner. Text 26 There Arjuna could see, within the midst of the armies of the both parties, his father, grandfather, teacher, maternal uncle, brothers, son, grandsons, friends and all of his father-in-law and well-wishers. On the battlefield, meaning on the battlefield, Arjuna could see all kinds of relatives. He could see persons like Bhrushava who were his father contemporaries, grandfather Bhishma and Sumadatta, teachers like Dronacharya and Karpacharya, maternal uncles like Salya and Sakuni, brothers like Duryodhana, sons like Lakshmana, Friends like Ashwatthama, well wishes like Karvatham. He could see all the armies which contained many of his friends. Text 27 When the sons of Kunti, Arjuna saw all these different grades of friends relative, he became overwhelmed with compassion and emotion and spoke thus. Text 28 Arjuna said, my dear Krishna, seeing my friends and relatives present before me in such a fighting spirit, I feel the limbs of my body quivering and my mouth drying up. Meaning, any man who has genius devotion of the Lord has all the good qualities which are found in godly person or in the demigods, whereas the non-devotee, however advanced he may be in material qualification by education, culture, lacks in godly qualities. As such, Arjuna, just after seeing his kinsmen, friends and relatives on the battlefield, was at once overwhelmed by the compassion for them who had so decided to fight amongst themselves. As far as his soldiers were concerned, he was some fitted for, the from, for them from the beginning. But he felt compassion even for the soldiers of the opposite party, foreseeing their imminent death. And while he was so thinking, the limbs of his body began to cure, and 
his mouth became dry. He was more or less astonished to see their fighting spirits. Practically the whole community of blood relatives of Arjuna had come to fight with him. This overwhelmed a kind of devotee like Arjuna. Although it is not mentioned here, still one can easily imagine that not only were Arjuna's body limbs quivering and his mouth drying up, but he was also crying out of compassion. Such symptoms in Arjuna were not due to weakness, but due to soft-heartedness, a characteristic of pure divinity of the Lord. It is said, therefore, one who has unflicking devotion for the personality of Godhead had all the good qualities of demigod, but one who is not a devotee of the Lord has only material qualifications that are of little value. This is because he is hovering on the metal plane and is certain to be attracted by the glaring material energy. Text 29 My whole body is trembling, my hair is standing on the end, my bow Gandhiva is slipping from my hand and my skin is burning. There are two kinds of trembling of the body and two kinds of standing on the hairs on the end. Such phenomena occurs either in great spiritual escanty or of a great fear under material conditions. There is no fear in transcendental realization. Arjuna's symptoms in this situation are out of material fear, namely loss of life. This is evident from the other symptoms. Also, he became so impatient that his famous bow Gandhiva was slipping from his hands, and because his heart was burning within him, he was feeling the burning sensation all over his skin. All these are due to material conception of life. Text. 30. I am not unable I am now unable to stand here any longer. I am forgetting myself and my mind is reeling. I see only causes of misfortune, O Krishna, killer of the KC Denam. Due to his impatientness, Arjuna was unable to say stay on the battlefield, and he was forgetting himself on account of his weakness of his mind. Excessive attachment for material things puts a man in such a bewildering condition of existence. Such fearfulness and loss of mental equilibrium takes place in persons who are too affected by the material conditions. Arjuna envisioned only painful rivers in the battlefield. He would not be happy even after gaining victory over the foe. The words Nitimani vipranti are significant. Even a man sees only frustration in his expectations. He thinks, why am I here? Everyone is interested in himself and his own welfare. No one is interested in the Supreme Self. Arjuna is showing ignorance of his real self-interest by Krishna's will. One's real self-interest lies in Vishnu or Krishna the conditioned souls forget this and therefore suffer material pains. Arjuna thought that his victory in the battle would not only be cause of would only be cause of lamentation for him. Text thirty one. I do not see how any good can come from killing my own kinsmen. 
in the battle nor can i my dear krishna desire any subsequent victory kingdom or happiness without knowing that one's self interest is in vishnu conditioned souls are attracted by the bodily relationship hoping to be happy in such situation in such a blind conception of life they forget even the cause of material happiness arjuna appears to have even forgotten the moral code for a kshatriya it is said that two kinds of men namely the kshatriya who directly dies in front of battle field under the krishna's personal order and the person in the renounced order of life who is absolutely devoted to spiritual culture are eligible to enter into sun globe which is so powerful and dazzling arjuna is reluctant even to kill his enemies let alone his relatives he thinks that by killing the kinsmen there would be no happiness in the life of his and therefore he is not willing to fight just as a person who does not feel hungry in is not inclined to cook he has not decided to go into the forest and live a scheduled life in frustration but as a kshatriya he requires a kingdom for his substances because the kshatriya cannot engage themselves in any other occupation but arjuna had no kingdom arjuna's sole opportunity for gaining a kingdom lies in the fighting with his cousin brothers and reclaiming the kingdom inherited from his father which he does not like to do therefore he considers himself fit to go to the forest to live a scheduled life on frustration text 32 to 35 o govinda of what avail to you as are a kingdom happiness or even life itself when all others for whom we may desire them are now arrayed on the battlefield o madushana when the teachers grandfathers sons fathers maternal uncles father in law grandsons brother in law and all other relatives are ready to give up their lives and properties and are all are standing before me why should i wish to kill them even though they might otherwise kill me o maintainer of all living entities i am not prepared to fight with them even in the exchange of three worlds let alone this earth what pleasure will be derived from killing the sons of dhritarashtra meaning arjuna has addressed the lord krishna as govinda because krishna is object of all pleasures for cows and senses by using the significant word arjuna indicates that krishna will understand that this satisfy arjuna's sentence but govinda is not meant for satisfying our senses if we try to satisfy the senses of govinda however when automatically then automatically our senses are satisfied maternally everyone wants to satisfy his senses and he wants god to be the order supplier for his satisfaction the lords will satisfy the senses of living entities as much as they deserve but not to the extent that they may covet but when one takes the opposite way namely when one tries to satisfy the senses of govinda without desiring to satisfy one's own sense then by the grace of govinda all desires of the living entities are satisfied
Arjuna's deep affection for the community and family members is exhibited here partly due to the natural compassion for them. He is therefore not prepared to fight. Everyone wants to show his opulence to friends and relatives, but Arjuna fears that all his relatives and friends will be killed on the battlefield and he will be, able, be unable to share his opulence after victory. This is typical calculation of a material life. The transcendental life, however, is different. Since the devotee wants to satisfy the desires of the Lord, he can, he can, the Lord willing, accept all kinds of opulence for the service of the Lord. And if the Lord is not willing, he should not accept a farther thing. Arjuna did not want to kill his relative, and if there were any need to kill them, he desired that Krishna kill them personally. At this point, he did not know that Krishna had already killed them before their coming into the battlefield, and that is, he, he was only to becoming an instrument of Krishna. This fact is disclosed in the following chapters. As a natural devotee of the Lord, Arjuna did not like to retaliate against the miscreant cousins and brothers. But it was the Lord's plan that they should be all killed. The devotee of the Lord does not retaliate against the wrongdoers. But the Lord does not tolerate any mischief done to the devotee of their miscreant. The Lord can excuse a person on his own account, but he cannot excuse the person who harms his own devotees. Therefore, the Lord was determined to kill the miscreants, although Arjuna wanted to excuse them. Text 36 Sin will overcome us if we slay such aggressors. Therefore, it is not proper for us to kill the sons of the Dhrashtra and our friends. What should we gain, O Krishna, husband of the goddess of fortune? And how could we be happy by killing our own kinsmen? Meaning, According to Vedic injunction, there are six kinds of aggressor. One, a poisoner given. Second, who sets fire to a house. Third, one who attacks with deadly weapons. Fourth, one who plunders riches. Fifth, one who occupies another's land. And sixth, other one who kidnaps a wife. Such aggressors are at once to be killed and no sin is incurred incurred by killing such aggressors. Such killing of aggressors is quite benefiting for an ordinary man. But Arjuna was not an ordinary man. He was saintly by character and therefore he wanted to deal with them in saintliness. This kind of saintliness, however, is not for a Kshatriya. Although a responsible man in the administration for a state is required to be saintly, he should not be cowardly. For example, the Lord Krishna Rama was so saintly, he could, should not be cowardly. For example, Lord Rama was so saintly that the people even now are anxious to live in the kingdom of Lord Rama. But Lord Rama never covered, showed any cowardness on Ravan, who was an aggressor against Rama because Ravan kidnapped Rama's wife, Sita. But Lord Rama gave him sufficient lesson unparalleled in the history of the world. In Arjuna's case, however, one should consider the special type of aggressor, namely his own grandfather.
own teachers, friends, sons and grandsons, etc. Because of them, Arjuna thought that he should not take the severe steps necessary against the ordinary aggressors. Besides that, saintly persons are advised to forgive. Such injunctions for saintly persons are more important than any political emergency. Arjuna considered that rather than kill his own kinsmen for political reason, it would be better to forgive them on the grounds of religion and faintly behavior. He did not therefore consider such killing profitable simply for the matter of temporary bodily happiness. After all kingdoms and pleasures are derived, their, their form are not permanent. So why should he risk his life and eternal salvation by killing his own kinsman? Arjuna's address of Krishna as Madhva or the husband of goddess of fortune is also significant in this connection. He wanted to point out to Krishna that as the husband of goddess of fortune, he should not induce Arjuna to take up a matter which would ultimately bring misfortune. Krishna, however, never brings misfortune to anyone to say nothing of his devotees. Text 37 and 38 O Janathan, although this man, their heart overtaken by greed, seem no fault in killing one's family or collaring with fence, why should we, who can see the crime in destroying a family, engage in the act of sin? A Kshatriya is not supposed to refuse meaning, battle or gamble when he is so invited by the some rivalry party. Under such an obligation, Arjuna could not refuse to fight because he uh, had been challenged by the party of Duryodhan. In this connection, Arjuna considered that the other party might be blind to the effect of such challenges. Arjuna, however, could see the evil consciousness and could not accept the challenge. The obligation is actually binding them. The effect is good. But when the effect is otherwise, then no one can be bound. Considering all these pros and cons, Arjuna decided not to fight. Text 39 With the destruction of the dynasty, the eternal family tradition is vanished, and thus the rest of the family becomes involved in irreligion. In the system of the institution, there are many principles of religion traditions to help members of family grow properly and attain spiritual values. The elder members are responsible for such purifying purpose in the family, beginning from the birth to the death. But on the death of the elder members, such family traditions of purification may stop and the remaining younger family members may develop irreligious habits and therefore lose their chance for spiritual salvation. Therefore, for no purpose should the elder member of this family be slain. Text 40 When irreligion is prominent in a family, O Krishna, the woman of the family became polluted, and from the degradation of a womanhood, O descendant of Rasi, comes unwanted progeny. Good population in human society is basic principle for peace, prosperity, and spiritual progress in life.
The religion principles were so designed that the good population would prevail in the society for general spiritual progress of state and community. Such population depends on the chastity and faithfully faithfulness of the womanhood. As children are very prone to be misled, women are similarly very prone to degradation. Therefore, both children and women require protection by the elderly members of the family. By being engaged in various religious practices, women will not be misled into adultery. According to Chanakya Pandita, women are generally not very intelligent and therefore not trustworthy. So the different family tradition of religious activities should always engage them and thus their chastity and devotion will give birth to good population eligible for participating in the Varna Sarma system. On the failure of such system, naturally the women become free to act and mix with men and thus adultery in indulged in at the risk of unwanted population. Irresponsible men also provoke adultery in the society and thus unwanted children flood the human race as the risk of war and pesticide. Text 41 An increase of unwanted population certainly causes the hellish life both for the family and for those who destroy the family tradition. The ancestors of such corrupt families fall down because the performance of the offering them food and waters are entirely stopped. Meaning, according to the rules and regulations of frustrative activities, there is need to offer periodical food and water to the forefathers of the family. This offering is performed by worship of Vishnu because eating the remnant of food offered to Vishnu can deliver one from all kinds of sinful reactions. Sometimes the forefather may be suffering from various types of sinful reactions and sometimes some of them cannot even acquire a gross material body and are forced to remain in the subtle bodies as ghosts. Thus, when the remnants of prasadam food are offered to the forefathers by the descendants, the forefathers are relieved from the ghostly or other kinds of miserable life. Such help renders to forefather is a family tradition and those who are not in devotion, devotional life are required to perform such rituals. One who is engaged in devotional life is not required to perform such actions. Simply by performing devotional services, one can deliver hundreds and thousands of forefathers from all kinds of misleading. It is stated in the Bhagavatam, anyone who has taken shelter of the lotus feet of Mukunda, the giver of liberation, giving up all kinds of obligation and has taken to the part in all seriousness, owns either duties nor obligations to the demigods, sages, general living entities, family members, humankind or forefathers. Such obligations are automatically fulfilled by the performance of devotional services of Supreme Personality of Godhead. Text 42 By the evil deeds of those who destroy the family tradition and thus give rise to unwanted children, all kinds of community projects and family welfare activities are devastated. 
टेक्स्ट फोर्टी थर्ड ओ कृष्णा मेंटेनर ऑफ पीपल आई हैव हर्ड ऑफ डिसिप्लिक सक्सेशन दैट दोज हुमिली ट्रेडिशन आर डिस्ट्रॉयड वेन इन ऑलवेज इन हेल्थ मीनिंग अर्जुना बेस्ड हिज आर्ग्यूमेंट नॉट ऑन हिज ओन पर्सनल एक्सपीरियंस बट ऑन वॉट ही हैज हर्ड फ्रॉम द अथॉरिटीज दैट इज दैट ऑलवेज रिसीविंग रियल नॉलेज one cannot reach the real point of factual knowledge without being held by the right person who is already established in that knowledge there is a system in varnas sharma institution by which before that one has to undergo the process of atonement for his sinful activities one who is always engaged in sinful activities must utilize the process of atonement called prayashchita without doing so one surely will be transferred to hellish planets to undergo miserable life as a result of sinful activities text 44 alas how strange it is that we are preparing to commit greatly sinful acts driven by the desires to enjoy royal happiness we are intent on killing our own kinsmen meaning driven by selfish motives one may be inclined to such sinful acts as the killing of his own brother father or mother there are many such instances in the history of the world but arjuna being a saintly devotee of the lord is always conscious of moral principles and therefore taken care to avoid such activities text 45 better for me if the sons of dhritarashtra weapons in hands where to kill me unarmed and unresist in resisting on the battlefield meaning it is custom according to the kshatriya fighting principle that an unarmed and unwilling foe should not be attacked arjuna however decided that even if he is being attacked by an enemy in such an awkward position he would not fight he did not consider how much the other party was bent upon fighting all these symptoms are due to soft heartedness resulting from his being a great devotee of the lord final and text 46 sanjay said arjuna having thus spoken on the battlefield cast aside his bow and arrow and sat down on the chariot with his mind overwhelming with grief meaning while observing the situation of his enemy arjuna stood up on the chariot but he was so afflicted with lamentation that he sat down again setting aside his bow and arrow such a kind and soft hearted person in the devotional service of the lord is fit to receive self knowledge the end of chapter 1